You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week, you know, we're not really scratching an itch this week, because typically whenever we say that, what we mean is that we're talking about something enjoyable that we have been excited to speak about. And that's not really the case. Like, I'm excited about this conversation, but this week's episode is a little different than that. So I'm not going to say we're scratching an itch, but our topic for the evening uh, is going to be a tribute to Taylor Hawkins, drummer of the Foo Fighters, who passed away a few days before this recording. And um, we had a different plan for this episode. And that, combined with some other circumstances, we decided to uh, to change that up a little bit. But we do have a guest who was planned for the original idea and was kind enough to stick around and join us for this one. And that is uh, Brian Colburn of Playlist Wars. So welcome, Brian. Hey guys, how you doing? Great to be back and uh, thank you so much for having me. I know the topic is celebratory in a bittersweet nature tonight, but I am looking forward to talking about the impact and how much Taylor Hawkins drums and the music that he's helped create means to me. So even though it's a little bit of a somber overall tone to the show, I thank you guys for uh, having me back. Yes. Yeah. And the original plan was to talk about Rex Manning Day, but... uh, (laughs) That kind (laughs) of, we had to pivot for a couple of reasons. One, your co-host Gomez wasn't able to to join us, but our thoughts are are definitely with Gomez and his family, and we won't get into that. But uh, Gomez is the resident movie expert, and uh, we didn't want to pivot without having him on the show. Oh, no, I didn't want you to pivot to a movie episode with just me, because (laughs) it would have been a very, very, very bad episode of The Itch. (laughs) We have already decided that we're going to return to that movie episode idea in the not too distant future and on Gomez's terms and time, basically. So you guys will be, you know, welcomed back to to catch up on on what we didn't do tonight. Yeah. Belated <laughs> Rex Manning Day. Yes. That's right. We're, we're going to we're trying to make it a little bit of a tradition. We're going to find some way or another to keep it that way, whether it's on the calendar at the appropriate time or not. No big deal. Mm hmm. Also, as a quick side note, I think, Brian, this makes you our first two-time fellow podcast guest. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I know you'll probably become our first (laughs) three-timer whenever we get Gomez around for the movies. So there you go. Hey, the the itch has been great guests on Playlist Wars. The only one, Dan, we haven't had you come on and battle us yet. Yeah, I know. We need to make that happen. But otherwise, uh, yeah, the the itch is... (laughs) You guys are doing fairly well on Playlist Wars. I think overall you're two and one. Yeah. 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 So Gomez and I got to up our game against y'all, man. Yeah, I got to come for the clean sweep soon. (laughs) 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 Fantastic. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. And we'll have more details on when we will next be appearing on Playlist Wars uh, coming out. Check the socials for that. Keep track of us at Itch Rocks and at Playlist Wars. And so on to, I guess, our, our topic for the night, Taylor Hawkins, Foo Fighters drummer, passing away in an incredibly surprising turn of events uh, and the music world coming out en masse to share memories and tributes and the way that he was just a person who impacted the industry in a big way. Yeah, you know, that's one thing that was really amazing to see is that you know everybody came out and you know all, all had nice things to say or, or recollections memories of them 
uh, one of my favorite posts, I think I sent this to you guys, was actually from Shinedown just because it was very true. Um, they basically posted something that said, if you'd ever wondered about the impact that one human could make on an entire community, just look at your timeline today. It's filled with this man who is one of the nicest, coolest, and most talented people on this earth. You'll be sorely missed. Our love and thoughts and prayers go out to the Hawkins families and the Foos. I just, I, I think they said it best. I mean, he, it, it's true. It was fans sharing memories, artists and, and other people, just everybody just coming out. Even if they weren't even rock fans, they still came out and paid their respect. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing about, about Taylor is, I mean, he wasn't just with the Foos. He was with Alanis Morissette. He had his own solo stuff. He guest drummed on numerous tracks. So he was beloved throughout the whole music community. Yeah. And I, I mean, recently on Playlist Wars, we had Liberty DeVito, who was Billy Joel's original drummer for most of his career. And the tribute that Liberty posted was just screen captures of texts that they would send each other back and forth and a video that Taylor sent to Liberty just from a hotel room listening to Billy Joel music. And you could just tell the admiration, no matter how talented Taylor Hawkins was, he still was a fan of other musicians. Mm -hmm. The love he had for music shined through. You could tell the love he had for Queen when he would perform right. Queen songs and Foo Fighter shows. He was not just a musician up there playing the drums to play for a band. He was a fan of music as well. Yep. Living the rock star dream while still being a lover of music, the people in the audience. So he is one of the most approachable down to earth musicians. And that was something I took away from every single post I read about him mm -hmm. was that he was so down to earth and he was just lucky to be up there playing right. is, is the way he kind of came across. And I think that's why him and Dave Grohl became best friends. Cause that's kind of Dave Grohl's MO man. He's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's, what's so funny. Cause you know, for a lot of people, Dave is the drummer for a lot of people. So Taylor is like your favorite drummer's favorite drummer. <laughs> and that would be Taylor Hawkins. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And to, to maintain that level of humility for decades in one of the biggest bands in the entire world. And that goes for, for Dave and presumably most of the, or all of the band, really, you don't, you don't hear as much from the other members as well, but, and just their relationship is just such a, a wonderful thing to watch. You see so many videos and live performances. I, unfortunately, this really sucks, did not ever get to see the Foo Fighters. And, you know, at this point, it's not even worth speculating, but who knows if that chance will exist again. But I've seen enough concert videos that there's always a point in every show where they just kind of pause and talk to each other or Dave just showers Taylor with love and like, like, see, hearing grown men say I love you to other grown men on a stage, that's a special bond that you don't see that often. And it was really mm -hmm. remarkable. Like, they very much felt right like kindred spirits. Yes. Very much cut from the same cloth. And, like, Grohl has a big personality. I don't know if big is the word that I would use for Taylor's personality, but there was something really special about seeing them together that they just fed off of each other so well. Right. Like, this big brother, little brother kind of thing. Yeah. They definitely fed off each other's energy. And uh, honestly, Aaron, I, I hadn't ever seen the Foo Fighters either. And so I was looking forward to the potential of seeing them if we ended up doing that. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to really go 
is to see the Foo Fighters to kind of check them off the bucket list. And unfortunately, that is not an option at this time. Yeah. Sucks for you guys. Yeah. (laughs) I did have the pleasure of seeing them. It was an interesting tour because it was the one that they toured like with the full orchestra. Well, not the full orchestra, but like a half orchestra. Oh, the Skin and Bones. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was really good. Um, But yeah, you're right. You know, they did. They just had that that camaraderie that you don't see very many bands have. And, you know, that's the other thing, too, is that it's crazy to me. I can't name any other person in this band other than Dave and Taylor. And I think that's most people, honestly, like he was just Taylor was just just such a cool dude. just emanated cool. Like Mammoth said, Wolfgang Van Halen said he's like, you just emanated cool. He was just such a down to earth guy like you like you guys were saying. I think that's why everybody knew who he was. Um, you know, because if, if you got a chance to meet Dave or the next person you always wanted to meet was Taylor. Like, yeah. like you said, everybody's every drummer's favorite drummer. <laughs> yeah, I've had the chance lucky enough to be able to see them several times. The first time was at William Patterson University in a room with about a thousand people uh, right before the color and the shape dropped. So oh, a wow. lot of debuts that night. Taylor Hawkins was on drums, but this was going back to the 90s. And then the second time I saw them was with Weezer when they toured with Weezer. And I, I, God, I don't even, I don't think, I think there was an opener that we missed. And then the third time was just the Foo Fighters. And uh, we joked that it was my daughter's first concert because my wife was (laughs) six months pregnant. Um, So I've seen them three times and all three times were very memorable shows. The set lists were always different. Mm-hmm. Yes, they played the hits, but every time I saw them, they played Everlong in a different way because the first time I saw them, they played the studio version because that was what was coming mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. The second time I saw them, they did it all acoustic. And the third time I saw them, they did it half acoustic, half electric. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like this marriage of the way they kind of evolved their set lists to give fans the same songs, but in different ways. So it was new experiences each oh. time. And that's yeah. something you have to respect for a band that goes out there that I'm sorry, there are bands out there that you spend $250 a ticket for and they give you a 60 to 70 minute set and they walk off the stage. Have a good night. Right. Foo Fighters were dropping two and a half, three hour shows when they could. And that yeah. just shows that they were trying to give people their money's worth. And they always did. Yeah. Well, not only that, but like you just said, you know, they were switching up the set that, you know, you're going to a Foo Fighters tour and almost every time they were touring, it was you could expect something different from the last time that they were touring. There are bands out there, Metallica, um, that basically, you know, they'll just phone it in. It's the same shit every time they go out on tour. It's the same set list. Well, not set list, but it's like the same, you know, they don't switch anything up. It's, same it's Metallica songs. Yeah. They're going to play it exactly as you hear it on the record. It's going to sound great, but it's, you know it's what you expect of that band like Foo Fighters you didn't know what to expect and I think that was because of the creativity from Dave and Taylor and other people in the band and you could have Dave break his leg and he'd still perform yeah (laughs) yeah there's that too it's dedication Holmes (laughs) we had a discussion on a very early episode of the podcast about if there was someone you could call like America's rock band or or it kind of pivoted into being like if America sent a rock ambassador it was our, <laughs> to the world. It was our Red, White, and Foo episode. That's right. It was a Foo Fighters episode. Because <laughs> we posited that was what we posited. It was for 4th of July, uh, 2020. And we we posited that idea of this band 
you know, filling that role because they're just they're so consistent. They're so likable. They represent being a rock star well. And Brian brought up back to lots of that salt of the earth humility that that comes with them and that playfulness. You know, they have a great sense of humor in the interviews. You always see that in the music videos music that they're known videos. for. Yeah. They're just yeah. we'll, they're, get in, they're, we'll, get, we'll get into some of those here. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a story that I'm saving for towards the end of the episode. So I'm gonna <laughs> okay. put a pin in that for now. Okay. Do you guys want to go ahead and move on to the to the yeah. songs? Are we good? Yeah. Okay. Do it. Okay. So we've been given a lot of kindness from the podcast community for this episode in two different ways. One, as you will hear throughout this episode, we put out the, the siren signal. A handful of our friends from other podcasts sent us little short clips of tribute to Taylor that we're going to intersperse through here. And so we thank all of them in advance and you'll find out exactly who it was as we get to them. And then Brian has has so graciously allowed us to more or less ape the format of his show <laughs> for this episode. It'll be a slightly different, but by and large, it's the same idea. So if you're not familiar with the concept of Playlist Wars, every week, Brian Gomez and a guest each usually bring 10 songs to a typical episode to the plate of a, an artist or a genre or a time period, whatever the theme may be. And they share them, they see where they overlap, and then they put them up to a vote from the listeners to see who who got it right. Um, we're not going to do the voting part for ours because this isn't really about popularity. This is just about sharing songs. Yeah, we're going to itch it up and yeah. mix the vote. <laughs> we're going to mix that part. And we're only going to do a handful of songs each. But we did each want to bring to the table and briefly discuss five tracks Taylor Hawkins was a part of that uh, really shown that were shining lights among the many great pieces of work that he put out so yeah we're gonna go ahead and go through that and um i'm excited i want i'm very <laughs> interested to see what you guys came up with it took me i listened to almost the entire discography in the past two days i'm practically foo fightered out to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but it was so hard I, I needed 10 songs to make this happen and i can only choose five so there'll be many many honorable mentions that we might mention and as we wrap it up yeah yeah, I didn't know if we should get into the the other additional uh, playlist wars terminology with the trifectas slash <laughs> quadfactors. Quad, quadfectas. <laughs> Quad, look, yeah, I mean, look, I'll explain that. Basically, what we have on playlist wars is, let's say Aaron and I both have the same song, we call that a crossover. And if Aaron Gomez and I all have the same song, that is a trifecta. Mm -hmm. And for the first time ever on the show, if the three people have a song in the exact same spot i.e myself gomez and kc over here you get something that we call a bingo meaning straight across we all have the exact same song <laughs> in the, same in the exact same yeah. spot mm -hmm. but for tonight we're adding in the quadfecta <laughs> yes <laughs> so who knows if that'll actually happen but i would love to see it if it does and if we there somehow get a bingo with with all of the, all four of us on this very first show that would be a record and i fortunately uh have the first ever bingo on playlist wars history that's right yeah you do and it's and if if anybody out there could guess the song i don't think there's anybody on this earth having not heard the episode that could guess the song <laughs> should i spoil it i'll spoil it it's the theme song to the ultimate warrior because <laughs> it was wrestling themed episode episode yes. 33 <laughs> yeah so that's a, that's a good point while we're at it sell a little bit 
go check out Playlist Wars sometime to brighten up your day a little bit. You can hear Casey on the 80s theme song uh, wrestling episode. Uh, I did a Weezer one and episode a, 15. Yes. And 90s one hit wonders. And again, we mentioned we'll be returning sometime in, in a time that is difficult like like this where we're, we're you know, we're in mourning and we're trying to process stuff and just, you know, pay tribute. There's also some good room for for happy times, too. And that show brings a lot of happy times. So there's my plug for Playlist Wars. Thank you, sir. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So with that said, um, in also Playlist Wars fashion, unless anybody has any questions. Yeah. Most of the conversation for each song will be sticking to the person who said it. Um, then I'd like to start. If that's oh, OK. OK. All right. All right. Well, Dan's going to go first then. Just to make sure I understand exactly what I'm looking for here is we're just, uh, you know, these are our top five Taylor songs, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay, cool. Now, I will say I I, I really wanted to find an Alanis Morissette song. Um, I did. I just I, I think that he's just a touring drummer or was just a touring drummer yeah. for them. So I wasn't able to find a Alanis Morissette song that he recorded on that that I liked. Yeah. But um, I, I will say the first song he recorded, or I guess the first recorded song that was released with him as the Foo Fighters is probably one of my favorites, Stacked Actors. Like, there's just something about that song. Like, it's very simple at, at the beginning. You know, you just had that dot, 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 dot. But like, as the song builds and builds, like that that whole song, not just the guitars, but the lyrics and the drums, that song is banging. I love that. It's like one of my favorite Foo Fighters songs. So yeah, Stacked Actors from the first album he was on. Uh, there's nothing left to lose. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Quality choice for track one. Did anybody else have that one on your list? I I do have it on my list. I had it. It was flip flopping between track one and track two. And I put it at track two. Okay. For a lot of the same reasons that Dan just me- mentioned. It's, I wanted to kind of at least pick a, a song off the first album that he officially recorded on. And Stacked Actors brings a lot of energy. It's got a lot of rock to it. But then there also has a couple of jazz breakdowns where he gets to yeah. kind of show off a little bit. And it's just a really killer song. All right. So we've got we've got two so far. Brian, does uh, Stacked Actors make your make your five? It does not, but I did not choose something from every album. I picked the five songs that, to me, spoke to, as I was listening, I just closed my eyes and listened to the drums as I was listening to Foo Fighters music this weekend. And I picked the five songs mm-hmm. that really stood out to me. Stacked Actors is an incredible, incredible song, but it did not make my list. But I'm going to talk about, when I get to the songs that I did choose, Taylor knew how to play to the song that was being recorded Mm -hmm. and stacked actors is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. He never overplays the song, but he knows when to go big and he knows when to sit back. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfect example of that balance is in that song. So I love the pick from both you KC and Dan. Now, if Aaron, you have it, I'm going to feel very sad because then I'm going to get an ax for chopping a possible quadfecta, but, and I, I had to go with it. it so we have an itch trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> the track, it, I, I just, for one, Stacked Actors is one of my favorite Foo Fighters songs. And then, as the guys mentioned here, you know, it's this hard hitting intro. He's, this is his intro. This is the first studio recorded thing that you hear of him as part of the band. And it's just that bump, 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 bump. bump. And then it goes into this quiet, like surfy, like spy kind of sounding <laughs> verses. <laughs> 
Um, and then the chorus kicks in and he kind of sounds like Grohl on the drums again. So it's like this very fluid transition to him being part of the band and just, it's, it's a great song. So, yep. I had to lead with it too. It's the introduction. You, you led with it. So I, I chopped the, uh, the, the itch bingo. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, you chopped the itch trifecta Casey, yeah. but I chopped the quadfecta yeah, yeah. completely. Yeah. So I get the ax. It's fine. I've gotten it plenty of times on the show. I wear it with pride <laughs> and also guilt at the same time. Uh, as much as I love the song, it, it sadly didn't make my list, but there's no disrespect to it. Yeah. So Brian, uh, so what, what did you put for track one? All right. For my track one, I went with the lead single from 2014's Sonic Highways and I went with something from nothing. And the reason I did that is when you think about the styles that Taylor Hawkins plays in the Foo Fighters, he is all over the map depending on the song. Something from nothing incorporates several of those styles into one song. Mm -hmm. The opening of the song is a very basic rock song where you almost feel like, wow, there's not much going on here. It's just a straight, you know, boom, 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 boom. And he's just kind of playing a straight beat. It seems very subdued. But then about two minutes into it, they break into this funky, almost like Stevie Wonder-esque yeah. mid part of the song where they've got the organ going with that. And he's, then you hear him doing some extra stuff on the hi-hat with these funk nuances. Uh-huh. And then when the song builds to the crescendo of All Rise, when they plug Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick's guitar in as he's mid-solo, so they get that <laughs> wee feedback, he's just literally hitting those drums like they're his own worst enemy. And he's just trying to pound them into submission. This song is got all these different layers. And to me, it felt like a great way to start this list because it really shows how versatile he is. So for my track one, I went with something from nothing. All right. Did anybody else something from nothing show up on anybody else's list? I did not have that on my list, but it's a great song. It was a contender for me. I, I mean, my contenders were pretty deep, but this was one that I actually, it made it far enough that I took notes about it. Largely saying what you did and mostly just that drum explosion in like the last minute or ish of the song or whatever. And the way that his intensity amps up to match like Dave's vocal intensity at that time. Fantastic stuff. So definitely one of the highlights of, of Sonic Highways as well and record in Chicago. So shout out there. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> my track one was low off of one by one and low just kind of punches you in the face from the get go. <laughs> and he brings that Muppet animal energy from the very first beat of the song <laughs> and goes all the way through four and a half minutes into it. So it doesn't, it doesn't stop. That's just a, a killer drum track. And I had to lead off with that one. Dan, did that one make your list? No, but it's a good song. No. All right. Yeah. It's a awesome. Fantastic song. Did not. I mean, look, we're, we're narrowing down how many <laughs> right. albums into five songs. There's going to be a lot of no, it didn't make my list. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. And I say that with guilt. But yeah, this is a great song. It did not make my list, though. All right. It did make mine. It was it was my track, too. Uh, and wow, so you guys flip flopped. Yep. yep. <laughs> and, and this was a tough one. And, and nobody has to you know tip your hand on this one. 
because one by one, that album, you know, low is track two. That album starts with All My Life, one of the biggest Foo songs and certainly a worthy track if anybody does choose it. I decided in this moment, I was really like flip flopping between those two. I was like, I'm going to go with the one that isn't the massive single. And and plus low, it just has he plays so tight and fast in that track. And it kind of has this like Queens of the Stone Age kind of yep. sound to it. Yep. And I thought that was fantastic. And it was where like, I felt like as I listened through this on each album, I feel like Taylor might've gotten a little more creative than the one before. And so oh, there's yeah. nothing left to lose. He's got some real good performances. And then one by one, just those two back to back are just stellar, right? like right off the top. And so also I think it's worth noting that that's probably about as close as he gets to like an everlong kind of sounding track as well. Just the speed that's going on there is, is just great. So yeah, low is my uh, track two. So funny that you mentioned that because my track two was all my life. Because when I went about trying to come up with this list, I, I thought of just for one, what Foo Fighter songs can I think of that just it made me think of the drum like right away? That was definitely one of them. And it's not necessarily anything in particular. I think it's just kind of like the stacked actors where it's kind of another slow build. But as soon as it hits that chorus, it's fast, it's heavy. And it's like you said, it's one of the most popular Foo Fighter song there is. I'd make a case that the opening tracks of any given Foo Fighters album oftentimes is probably one of like the two or three moments where Taylor shines the most on any album. Like they really know how to lead giving him the spotlight. All right, so we may as well ask the question now that we have we have broached. Tippett, what we were going to do here was um, take a break after the first pick and show or introduce one of our podcast friends in their tribute. And then the second, we've actually done everybody's track two except for Brian now as yeah. well. So why don't we go ahead and finish yes. the second round <laughs> and get Brian's track two? All right. Well, sadly... 2021's Medicine at Midnight is going to be known now for now as the last album that Taylor Hawkins played on when he was alive. Right. I Maybe they have other tracks in the vault that they right. might put out. You, right. We don't know where I'm speculating there. So instead of doing that, we're focusing on what's out now. Right. And one thing Foo Fighters always did was they've nailed the lead single. Yep. Every yep. album, they've nailed the lead single. Mm-hmm. And Shame Shame was the strangest lead single they've ever led with. <laughs> it is true. And the first time I heard it, my initial reaction was, what? And then I listened to it again. And then it was, what? And then I listened to it again. And then I found myself listening to it over and over again. And I was hypnotized by the drum beat, the percussion. If that song had any other drum beat, it could go down as one of the most monotonous and boring Foo Fighter songs. <laughs> but what Taylor Hawkins brought to this song elevated it to another level and made it one of my favorite songs of 2021. And I had to include it on this list tonight because without his drumming, if you try to listen to that song and not and say, let me just listen to this song without the drums. It's very monotonous, and that's kind of the point of the song. Mm -hmm. But his drums, it's the only word I can think of, hypnotic. So my track two was Shame Shame. Did not make did not make my list, but it is a great track. It is that Medicine at Midnight was a fantastic album. Yeah, I agree with you, though. If you do listen, it it would be almost a boring song. The other thing that threw me off about that song is the the 
female back background vocals. <laughs> That's not something they've done too much of in their in their long career yet. They got really creative on that album. I was I I texted Casey earlier today about something else, and I told him I was like, okay, I probably should have included Medicine to Midnight on last year's top twenty because it's better <laughs> as I listen back than I remember it when I listened the first time. Like yeah. that's that's some good stuff. So, but getting back to our our topic, um, sounds like two of us put shame shame on ours our list because that was my track five. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I didn't go entirely chronological, but close to it. I thought that ending my list with something from his last official Foo Fighters album to date would be a good way to do it. And shame shame, it's got that hypnotic kind of rhythm that. And one of the few times where I think the beat, even in the other songs where Taylor stands out, I don't know that there are very many other songs where it seems like the song is really wrapped around what he's doing, where like that beat is like the core of the song. You can almost say that about a lot of the songs on Medicine Midnight, though. Yeah. Like he carries that whole album. It's really his opus, which is it makes mm-hmm. it more bittersweet now that you listen to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I was listening through that one and, and I was like, I'm listening uh, again. I know you guys typically don't, mention too many other tracks for risk of spoiling somebody else's so but i was listening to you know you got cloud spotter you've got holding poison the title track all these things that have way more rich percussion elements beyond just the kit than they usually use in foo fighter songs and then this one shame shame which which is just the kit it's a kick a snare and a hi-hat which dave girl said that taylor recorded in the top of a stairwell in the house that they were recording at. And he says that that snapping part in shame, shame is one of the favorites, his favorite sounds that they ever had on a a Foo Fighters record. So high quality stuff right there. And I'm glad that that one got double the love amongst our lists. Yeah. Cause it's not your typical Foo Fighters song. Mm -hmm. It is not at all. (laughs) It's not a rocker. And I kind of wanted to spread my songs out amongst the rockers and kind of showing some of the other flair that he, cause this isn't a Foo Fighters list. This is a Taylor Hawkins list, yep. and I was focusing intently on the drums with the songs I picked. Yeah, same. Not saying songs be damned, but in right. this one, this the drums make the song. So right. to me, that's you know, you know. But I, I, we have a Foo Fighters episode, and I won't spoil if Shame Shame made my top ten list or not. <laughs> but let's just say there's a lot of love for this song that a lot of people have. Yep. And and I second what Dan mentioned that this this whole album really I feel like he got the spotlight more than any other one probably, and yeah. so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it just does make it all the hit more. the nail on the head with that one, Dan. Definitely. Yep. All right, let's take a quick pause here from our lists, and we're going to listen to a tribute from our friends at Patio Slave. They were kind enough to send us a few minutes of reflection of their own from Tony and Nate. Their thoughts on Taylor. Hey everybody, Tony from the Patio Slave podcast. I'm here with Nate. How you doing, Nate? Good, man. Good. Uh, well, all things considered. Yeah. Yep. So tough week. Obviously, we're we're huge Foos fans, and uh, we we appreciate being asked to to help out with the the itches Taylor Hawkins tribute episode here, and we want to talk a little bit about seeing the band a couple times, and and uh, you know being huge fans of the Foos and Taylor himself, and the, the other projects he was a part of. I mean, man, I go back to for me, Nate, us yeah. seeing them in Boston in 2011, right? Mm-hmm. Great yeah. show. Yep. Yeah, you were flying back from California. You had done the harvest out in California for the summer, and it was like the day of the Foo Fighters show. You flew into Boston, took a cab, met me outside the parking garage where my car was, and we drank Cali beers in my car before going into the Foo show, which was an epic show. It was a three-hour set. They just rocked it. Just badass time. 
Yeah. And it was the tour closer. So I remember thinking like kind of a in proper fashion, I'm not going to miss this tour I'm working harvest. So there's no way I can see the show in San Francisco because I was up in Sonoma. So yeah, coordinated the travels to align to land into Logan and do exactly what you said and brought the beers to kind of raise to the occasion. But um, man, that was a killer show. Uh, I think it was the first time they played the garden because they had usually played like Worcester Centrum and uh, different places in New England, but never the garden. So that was a first for them. Yeah, and I mean, great spot for a concert, obviously. It's a big, big venues where the Celtics play in Boston and other big acts have been there. But just to have that moment, it's one of the mo- concert moments that we come back to a lot as, as uh, you know, Patio Slave and one of the nights that we had a blast. And I, I know a friend of ours was there with us. My brother was there. Like, we had a we had a good time. And, and to be able to see them at the peak of their powers in 2011, they were on tour for Wasting Light, I believe, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. which is a phenomenal album. Yeah, I remember that that night like it was yesterday. You know, seen them a bunch since, especially out here in California. Cal Jam and Dave Grohl's birthday. A lot of things we've talked about on the air here because we're big, you know, Foo Fighters fans. We call them a house band on the pod. So, um, so yeah, to see the news here, the tragic news of Taylor Hawkins was a a, a big blow, and um, we're dealing with it, you know, like everyone else, you know. But it's it's weird that it's hitting us in such a profound way because we don't know the guy personally. I've met him a few times um, in in passing, and you know short little bits, super nice guy, always super sweet. And, um, there's something about Taylor that, uh, that resonates with us, I think on even a further level, which is, um, he just seems like kind of a nerd, you know, mm-hmm, super, totally. just kind of happy, jokey, shooting the shit, especially him and Dave, you know, they were two buds. They remind me of our podcast in a lot of ways. Well, and I mean, we're, I had this conversation with another mutual friend of our podcast earlier today and, it was just it's one of those times where yeah we've lost people in the music industry over our time as fans but this one was a big one it was a band that we paid attention to for 30 years and you know to lose somebody that was of our generation a band that we've spent all this time with we've seen we've been around for different album cycle after different album cycle and and to to you know lose somebody like that that's what makes it feel more personal to me and i think it's i think we all kind of feel the same way i know anthony would would say the same thing our third member of potty slave right now but it's it's tough man it's 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 one from us it's one of our generation and we're we're you know we're gonna have to feel the ripples of this for a long time and 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 love that band and always will and happy that we've gotten what we got but man too soon yeah no well said it is from our our generation and at 50 years old just a tragic loss that was way too soon i mean if this was 30 years later we'd be like you know this sucks but you know he was 80. Uh, 50 is like, man, like we're in our late thirties. That's, that's really early. It's too close to home, man. It's too close, too close to, home. to home. Yeah. But I can't, I just keep going back to his personality and he just seems like a fun, fun guy. And, you know, not a reserved, not a, you know, recluse kind of personality. Like we feel like we know him just from what I've seen on interviews. Like this guy seems like the man, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just gone now and it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I can't fully digested it and i can only imagine what the band is going through and especially taylor's family me and my wife both teared up just thinking you know about his family about his kids you know mm-hmm. yep 
my wife and I had that same moment this morning on the on the porch having coffee. I was like, I I don't know why I'm so affected by this, but then I yeah. kind of talked it out, and she's like, No, that makes sense. And you know, we re- we appreciate the itch you guys uh, asking us to be a part of this this podcast therapy right here because it's exactly what we're doing a little yeah. group therapy, a little nerd therapy for us uh, to get us through. And and you know, we'll always have the memories, we'll always have the concerts, we'll always have the times talking about our favorite bands. But uh, rest in peace, Taylor. And we're thinking of you, your family, the Foo Fighters family, and all that stuff. Yeah, rest in peace. One of the greatest of all time, Taylor Hawkins. Well said. Yeah, very well. Yeah, thank you guys. We always appreciate interacting with Patio Slave. They're 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 good pals on the socials, and we have guested on each other's shows. It's another collaboration that will have to happen again at some point. I resonate quite a bit with what they're saying about it hitting close to home. In that you know, this man was not that much older than we are, and not only that, like. You hear stories of people who who have their history or, you know, you'll hear like a musician or somebody, you know, they come down with some type of particular illness or they have a, a very public history with with mental health or and addictions and et cetera. And, and these things where if something happens to them, it might not be as surprising. And I know Taylor had some degree of record of his own in that, um, but he's also a person that just exuded life so much that to me it's just that really is what makes it his passing much more shocking is that there I, it's kind of one of those like i didn't see a single you know sign or, or tip that that would have indicated there was any problems at all happening there and maybe there was and i don't know that much about it. i'm not really going to speculate on the details of what was going on in that moment that's not really important but just a just a guy who just you know was a he had a light that people recognized and so right Completely agreed. And uh, shout out as well to the guys at Patio Slave. I'm kind of glad that there's this kind of mini music pod network going on here because huh. they've been on Playlist Wars and I've had the chance to go on there. And it's mm-hmm. a you know great group of people. And I'm, uh, I'm glad, like he said, to be able to share in this kind of music therapy amongst all of us that care so deeply about these bands and about this to kind of be able to kind of talk it out and uh, kind of handle this the way that we as music podcasters can. Yep. All right. So I think we are, uh, we're set for track three and we've kind of been going a little bit of a shuffled order. I think Dan was originally our starter. So uh, mm-hmm. you want to share your track three with us, Dan? Sure. Let me pull my list back up here. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it's actually funny. So um, we were talking about medicine at midnight and my track three is the title track from that album there's there's something i don't i don't know what he's playing it maybe it's like a little edge of the drum that he's doing that little click 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 on there but there's just like there's just something about that song that's just different and it's one of the things that i absolutely loved about it and we kind of talked about you know before how the whole album medicine at midnight was just like his feature and i think that song itself was was pretty much the same thing like it don't get me wrong it's got a bitch and guitar line but like it's you know if, if it wasn't for like the way that the drums and that little <laughs> little extra noises he makes uh in the song i don't think it would be as unique as it is it would just be another you know nice guitar line that the foo fighters found it's funny that you mentioned that because i was in in all of my listening to the foos today um spotify has a a commentary of the tracks from medicine to midnight with dave Grohl and pat smear and that sound that you're hearing that makes that stands out so much in that song is just a click track they you know, that drum, that bands will just play to to keep a rhythm or the drummers will put to help them wow. stay in sync or whatever. Usually they take that out of the recording for whatever reason. 
they left it the click track in the recording and it made all the difference in that song which i think yeah, yeah that's that's i'm glad i love that you picked that one and mentioned it because i thought that was such a funny little tidbit that i learned listening to that little commentary like five hours ago <laughs> so <laughs> convenient timing <laughs> it's funny all right did that track medicine at midnight show up on either of you guys's lists brian casey it did not I did not go back to that album twice, but I, I love the song. I love the album, and and I love what you were just talking about there with the leaving the click track in. That's a that's a pretty cool kind of production nerd yeah. thing yeah. that you don't hear often, but it just works with this song. So, yeah, it's a great track. Yeah. All right. How about well, Brian? What's your track three? Let's move on. You you can be next in our slight shuffle here. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go back to 2011's Wasting Light. I've said this many times. This is my favorite Foo Fighters album. Period. Hard stop. Mm-hmm. This is their opus. This is their masterpiece. This is when the band, the Foo Fighters, made their greatest moment. The color and the shape was still a lot of Dave. Mm-hmm. Dave on drums. The band as its core made their opus with Wasting Light. And one of my favorite songs from that album, drum-wise, is Arlandria. Ooh. It's a heavier song, but it's one of the strongest songs on the band's strongest album. If you listen to the drums in it, there's almost this shuffle going on in the verse as he's singing. It's this odd timing, and he's doing this thing with the hi-hat where it's... And I was just literally focused on the hi-hat when I was listening to it today (laughs) and hearing what he was doing. The nuances are so subtle, but when you hear it in the mix of the song, the subtlety works and he's able to kind of hit these fills in these hi-hats and just different nuances that he brings to the song. So even the buildup where he's just kind of do, 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 where he's use me up, spin me round, let me be. And he's just doing do, do, do. But he's doing this do, 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 do. And he's kind of these nuances in the fills that he's bringing in. By the time they kick in, when you focus your attention on the drums, it's just mind blowing. Yeah. The little things that he brings to the song. So this one was a no brainer for me, Arlandria. All right. I was so close to putting that on my list. I, I'm not even joking. Like I was, <laughs> I had it typed out to be honest. And I replaced it with another one that was from the same album. He's setting the table for a future. A future That's right. <laughs> well, I, I, look, any, anybody putting songs from wasted light, you're going to get a nod for me because there's, <laughs> you can't, there's not a bad song on this album. Yeah, no, right. I was going to say it, it that particular track didn't make my list, but if if we're being honest, Wasting Light is the album to to listen to if you want to hear some good Foo Fighters tracks. Yep. Um, so we'll we'll get to another Wasting Light track uh, here in a couple. Probably of, a couple of them. In a couple. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, but it, I presume that's not your track three, though, Casey. It is not. not no. Okay, so what what is your track three then? We're gonna come back to Wasting Light because obviously it's yes. gonna return. All right. So my track three comes from Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. And that would be The Pretender. I'm just a sucker for, so anytime you you perform in a song and you you do the the chorus and you blend it in with Mm -hmm. other verses and then do a run and a a roundabout and love this song. And 
the drums are amazing in it. So that's my track three. You can't go wrong with that one. You really can't. That was that was on my list too. <laughs> it was my track four. Uh okay. We've got two. Brian, do we That's my track five. Hey. I'm closing <laughs> with it. And there's a reason why I'm closing with it. The Thursday before Echo Silence, Patience and Grace came out, I was in Toronto heading home from a work event. This was back when albums were released on a Tuesday. I'm sitting in the airport with my boss and my boss's boss in my suit and tie, getting ready to leave this long conference I was working and fly home. And Dave Grohl walks by me as I'm texting my wife and I just close my then flip phone (laughs) and I say to my boss, I'm going to just, I'll be right back. And I get up and I walk (laughs) over and I said, excuse me, uh, Dave, I said, I've been a huge fan since the days of Nirvana. I just wanted to come over and just tell you how thankful I am for your music and how thankful I am for all the great music you've provided me and the times I've seen you live. And I turn and I say, and Taylor Hawkins. And Dave cuts me off, elbows him in the ribs and goes, see, people know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, Taylor Hawkins. January 1996, I saw you drumming for Alanis Morissette, and I knew I was watching something special that night. And he goes, you remember me from Alanis? I said, yes, Raleigh, North Carolina, a room of about 500 to 1,000 people. I was fixated on the drums the whole night. And when you made the move over to the Foo Fighters, I thought it was a perfect, perfect blend I I said, look, Dave, I said, I'm going to just be honest here. If my wife was standing next to me right now, I would be flying home alone because she would be leaving with you. And Dave just looked at me and goes, my wife might not appreciate that. I said, I'm not saying I have any choice in this. I'm just saying my wife is a huge fan and I have a feeling she'd desert me for you. I said, (laughs) would you mind? Um, you know, if getting a, uh, can I get an autograph for her, you know, from both of you? And they were so gracious. They both signed it. We've got it framed and hanging up in our house. And I said, look, I don't want to take up any of your time more. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the memories. I am buying Echo Silence, Patience and Grace on Tuesday. I love the Pretender and can't wait to hear the rest of the album. Dave shook my hand and gave me a bro hug and said, dude, if everybody was as cool as you, Thank you for being a fan and thank you for not spending the next three hours here at the same time because there's people coming. I said, look, I don't want to take up all your time. Thank you. Thank you. And then Taylor Hawkins gave me a big hug. And that was my only ever conversation with them. The whole thing lasted probably shorter than the way I explained it now. Yeah. But (laughs) it meant so much to me that my Foo Fighter fandom elevated Right. Like tenfold that night. It was like mm. the Grinch's heart grew three sizes. That <laughs> and so did my Foo Fighters fandom. And that is why Echo Silence, Patience and Grace, while it's not my favorite Foo Fighters album, means so much to me. Yeah. And I listened to that album so intently that following Tuesday because I was like, oh, I got to listen to my friend's new album now. You know? Right, <laughs> right, right. And to be honest, I, I couldn't think of any other song to close with because that story just when he died, I I damn near had a tear in my eye talking to my wife about that story. I'm like, he was so amazing. He was, he genuinely cared. Both of them did that. I was a fan and that means so much to me because they could have just went, yeah, thank you, dude. Now I'm on the phone. Sorry. You know, right. They took 
three minutes out of their day to, to talk to me, some schlub in a suit, saying like, <laughs> yeah, I'm a Foo Fighters fan. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> the Pretenders, I closed with it for that very reason. Well, I think that's why we're here talking about Taylor Hawkins is because the, he was down to earth. He did make time for fans and he never made himself like out to be better than anybody. Um, it was like any person I've ever heard talk about Dave or Taylor or anybody from the Foo Fighters. It's always an amicable experience and, and everybody has great things to say about everybody in that band. And, I, you know, you could. I'm sure that, that, you know, there's a lot of fans out there that have had negative interactions with band members. And it's like, once you have that kind of interaction, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to, you're probably not even going to be a fan of that band anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll, it'll net negatively affect your, your fandom. Yeah. Cause it, it, it almost changes your perception of how you hear the music. Right. Oh, Just because yeah, you very, hear the very, dickhead very behind true. it, you know, or whoever. <laughs> but that, that wasn't the case. That wasn't obviously the case yeah. with the Foo Fighters. Or isn't that the case? I've sadly, in my years in radio, met a few bands that I still have not ever purchased an album by (laughs) because I just can't support them because they treated me like a second class citizen when they uh, came through the studios. Yeah. And then other bands who were extra nice to me, I've bought every single album from regardless if I like it or not. And another one, just just not to go on a tangent, Papa Roach, nicest group of guys you can ever meet. I will buy every album they ever put out just because they treated me just a radio PA at the time, like their buddy the the few hours they were in the studio, I was one of them. So to me, I will always be a Papa Roach fan, no matter what they produce. And it's the same thing with the Foo Fighters. You, you give that fan that experience. You've got a fan for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple quick notes on that for the itch. Papa Roach is the nicest group of guys that we're hoping to meet and sooner than later. And so, and then but, we're working but, on it, <laughs> but to connect that to what you're saying, um, well, we've had this discussion before, like there are bands that we, where we like the music and then there are bands where we like the people and whenever everything lines up perfectly, you like both. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's a lesson that, I mean, I can say I've learned with the guests and the, the interviews that we've done with people. There are a lot of bands mm-hmm. now that I like them a lot more because they were so cool than I would if I just heard the album and that was it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I think that impressions make or break a band. And I think that the Foo Fighters have always made great impressions mm-hmm. no matter what. Good point. So my question for you, Aaron, even though I'm not hosting this, I'm wondering, is there a quad here with the pretender? There's not. <laughs> oh, so you get the axe now so i got one for stacked actors and you got one for the pretender it was one of the last cuts i had and i do want to make a quick note as i mentioned it seems like that the foo fighters like i said I, to me most of their albums really kick off with taylor the last first few tracks and i think that echoes while not being one of my favorite albums either you've got the pretender and let it die and erase replace all in a row and those are all great taylor performances and so i think that's worth noting but it was not on my list. I can't help you there. I can give you my track three to wrap up that round. <laughs> <laughs> I went with, to be honest, probably the Foo Fighters album I've given the least time to. And that is Concrete and Gold and uh, the track Run on that one, which is um, it's this very pounding, like snare heavy rhythm. And it features Dave Grohl shrieking <laughs> in a way that he doesn't really hadn't really done to that point. Right. 
at least not much. I mean, he, you know, he yells and stuff, but, but shrieking like this was, <laughs> but anyway, this is, I think it's one of the more unique songs in the Foo Fighters catalog. And it's one of those ones where like the different sections of it, your verses and choruses, bridges, whatever, right. they change significantly. Mm-hmm. You know, some songs keep a similar rhythm through and whatnot through the entire thing or a similar chord progression. This one shifts it up a lot. And I feel like that was a cool way for Taylor uh, to shine in there. It's like a whole mini album in one song. Is yeah. Run. Yep. It is five and a half minutes long. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. This did make my list at number four. Hey. Uh, it's, it's one of my most favorite things that the band ever did as far as a music video goes, because they're all, you know, in a, a nursing home and they all look like father time basically. <laughs> and, and, Dave's screeching with his long gray, gray white hair and you know Taylor's got a a bald cap on with with hair on uh, skullet as it were in the background <laughs> and then the video itself is just crazy because all the the people in the nursing home are just you know having a mosh pit riot in the the commons area and it's just classic stuff and the uh the sad part thinking about this is you know obviously with Taylor passing he doesn't have the opportunity to uh to live out that uh scenario yeah so yeah but it's a it's a great track and i I love the drumming in that in that song as well so that's why it had to make my list at number four awesome that leaves us with a couple of number fours and a couple of number fives left before we take a break to listen to another one of our our podcast friends did run make your list dan did it make yours brian I only have one song left, and that's not it, unfortunately. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, we're going to pause for a second. And Sean McClellan of the band Troll and the Trollcast, their podcast, he was kind enough to send us in a clip with a little tribute to Taylor as well. We became acquainted with Troll through Patio Slave. Those guys are buddies. They're a funk metal band out of Maine. So this this is a nice little bit. And so here it is. Hello, friends. This is Seth McClellan with the band Troll and the co-host of the Trollcast podcast. I'm sure I speak for all of us when I say it's been a tough couple of days with the loss of the amazing Taylor Hawkins. Foo Fighters are forever an inspiration to me um, as a musician and to our band. Actually, the first time we ever got together in a room, we had put together this list of cover songs that we wanted to learn as kind of a statement of purpose for the band you know we didn't really know where the band was going yet but we knew here are all songs that we have in common um, I know my hero was on the list uh, monkey wrench was on the list and I believe bridge burning around that same time my wife and I actually got to see the Foo Fighters for the first time at Fenway Park in Boston it was in 2018 when they were on the concrete and gold tour we were just absolutely blown away by their energy and synergy and especially Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins you can just tell our kindred spirits one of the best shows literally ever seen definitely in the top three I think forever for shows I've ever seen my wife and I actually cried during my hero just because it's such a great song and I'm sure I don't have to explain it to you guys but they're just one of the best live bands in the entire world. During that show, it was awesome to see Taylor and Dave actually switch places for a song, and Dave went back and played drums. Taylor came up and sang. You can tell that they're just having a blast up there and that 
like they really play for the fans. That's abundantly clear. And it was just so cool to be able to see that live. I felt like I was watching history. You know, when you think about the classic acts from the 60s and 70s, like Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. And, you know, as a child of the 80s and 90s, I didn't get to see those bands live. But the Foo Fighters are that band to our generation. My heart goes out to all the Foo Fighters family and Taylor's family uh, and everybody who knew him personally. It's just such a tragic loss. And I actually wanted to share an interesting story about a time that I met somebody who knew Taylor personally and grew up with him, which was totally unexpected and really neat, honestly. So I had taken my wife on a trip to Salem, Massachusetts for her 30th birthday, and I surprised her with a couple's massage. Um, I had this whole fun day planned of just kind of like seeing all the cool sights in Salem and taking her for this like nice relaxing massage. We walk in and I was actually wearing a Foo Fighter shirt. I was wearing the Frankenstein shirt that was the tour poster from when they played Ryman Auditorium on like Halloween night. And this massage therapist walked up to me and she said, oh, that's Taylor's band. And I was like, yeah, Taylor Hawkins. And she's like, yeah, Taylor's band. And I'm like, okay, um, do you know Taylor Hawkins? And she said, yeah, I actually grew up with him. And he lived with me in California growing up. And, you know, we got to see him get the opportunity to play with Alanis Morissette. And we were also proud of him. And for the entire hour, my wife and I were getting our couple's massage. You know, my wife's right next to me with her massage therapist. Um, This lady was telling us about, you know, all these stories about Taylor and how he's just the salt of the earth, nicest guy. And, you know, that... They were so proud of him when he got the gig with Alanis and then he got the gig with the Foo Fighters and just, you know, the few times they've connected over the years. And it was like really funny because the other massage therapist was super annoyed because it was supposed to be this quiet kind of like ambient, you know, lighting, ambient music experience. And we were just like talking about bands and talking about Taylor the whole time. So, but we had a blast because it was cool to meet somebody who knew him personally. And it just kind of also solidified how awesome of a guy he clearly was. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care of yourselves out there. Hope to talk to you soon. Appreciate Seth sending in that clip and talking about Taylor. Yeah. And I do want to note the Trollcast has shouted us out before. And I also want to note you can go back to not only their show, but you can go to Patio Slave and they have been guests with each other a couple times. And in fact, Patio Slave provided guest backing vocals on Troll's newest release. <laughs> it's a monster song called Kaiju King, and it's a uh, pretty boss. Oh, nice. <laughs> so yeah, shout out to those guys. And thank you again. All right. Round four here. We've only got a couple people with track fours left, and that is Brian and I. So Brian, what do you got? All right. I'm going to close with a different one here, and I'm going to stick with Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. Oh. Because of the story I told for track five with The Pretender, there was another song on that album that really jumped out at me. It's a beautiful song, and it's a different style of Taylor's drumming. And the song I'm going with is Summer's End. When you listen to that song, Taylor could have very easily overplayed it, and he doesn't. 
And instead, he kind of goes into this Ringo Starr-influenced style of approach to the song, which shows how versatile he was as a drummer. Considering the amount of fills he could do and all the crazy fills and everything else, he just sat back and musically played the drums to the song. Because if you listen to the drums, when they're doing the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
I was paying more attention to the drumming side. And and that is a fantastic point that he is an amazing vocalist. And now I kind of feel guilty that I didn't include one of him <laughs> on vocal. So I, I, I love the right. choice there. I love it. Yeah, that is all right. All right. We're going to pause for a second here. And our friends from the Prisoners of Rock podcast, uh, Bruce, Ryan and Doug sent in a clip to for us. And we appreciate them for that. Uh, these are guys we have not yet had the pleasure of collaborating with, but we have talked about it multiple times. And so it's only a matter of time. This is uh, the lead in. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, this is Bruce Ryan and Doug from Prisoners of Rock and Roll. Huge thanks to Aaron, Dan and KC for asking us to share our thoughts and Taylor Hawkins. I mean, we've been talking about collaborating with you guys for a while, and it really sucks that this is the topic that finally did that. But uh yeah, we wanted to uh, share our thoughts on Taylor Hawkins passing away. Doug, I know you were you're the out of the three of us, you're the biggest Foo Fighters fan. Um, yeah, I yeah, uh, I I think he's like one of the better drummers in the game today. You know, he's just it was a major loss. It was shocking. You know, I know a lot of people weren't really shocked, but it blew me away, blew my doors off. It yeah. was like, I mean, that night that that happened, I was I went to bed kind of early and I woke up to you like message like texting me in like all capital letters like Oh my God, Taylor Hawkins died. Can't find a picture of him that he doesn't have like a big, stupid smile on his face. They just said he was like a really happy guy all the time. That's why it's kind of like a little shocking. The whole story didn't really come out yet. It's just like the drug use kind of thing. But somebody brought up like a depression and this and that, which isn't hard to believe. But um, what a monster, like just music speaks for itself. And this guy was a big piece of his band and other bands. And his personality was huge. You know, he can I sing. Think, he can sing and play drums. He can do everything. You know, I think his personality was a big part of how he played his drums. His person, his fun personality came out the fun in his playing of his drums. All his rhythms were fun. Like everything was like you know technical, but it wasn't like Neil Peart technical. It right. was like rock and whatever the song needed. You know, and he always had a different kind of fill going on. It wasn't like he did standard rock drum fills he had his own little thing going on i remember the first time i saw him was with alanis morissette on mtv music awards and he's playing drums i'm like who is this guy playing the drums because he's the best drummer i've ever seen of course he joined the foo fighters and he made a huge impact on music he's in the rock and roll hall of fame it's a really shame it's another life gone over a tragedy you know another rock and roll tragedy yeah, the only like the last person I could compare it to was like uh, when Chris Cornell died. You know, just like mm. everybody coming out and saying how much he meant the music and his personality, and even the uh, like the list of people that were issuing statements about it. You know, you expect the normal standard rock and roll people, but it was like everybody from like Miley Cyrus to like John Fogerty and like uh, all the entire gambit of musicians were like uh, Elton John were all issuing statements saying like that he was just like a good dude. He had the right personality and that he was just a kick-ass drummer. Ugh. I think he, I think he collaborated with a lot of these artists, like live wise, not recording wise, but he's always played like a lot of live shows and especially like the Foo Fighters bringing people on stage. So I guess he just made an impression, you know, they always just seemed like a, like big on like outreach to fans and that kind of stuff. He was a great rock star. Yeah, yeah, right. He had a he had a rock star look, right? He was like a good looking dude. He was in shape. He always wore the sleeveless T-shirts. Said he always had that big grin on his face. He had rock star hair. 
And they let him do stuff like, you know, a couple of the songs like he would get up and sing and stuff like that. And Yeah, like, he sang we, Have a Cigar. That was a pretty big hit. Dave Grohl would drum and he would come up and sing at Foo Fighters shows. Yeah. So it's a, it's what a waste, man. Yeah, and he was only 50, <laughs> right? He's not, he's yeah, not that much dot, yeah. not that much older than we are, you know. Just uh yeah, he just had a lot of rough roller coaster ride toward the end, I guess. You know, they, they said they found like five different substances in his body and yeah. He's still kind of going through it. It's a shame, man. You know, I feel like he still had a lot more to uh, give to, yeah. to rock and roll. You know, you know, it's a shame. His battle was long. You know, he overdosed before. Yeah. You know, but the battle with drugs must be the worst thing to go through. I can't even imagine. I don't. I don't do drugs. I have no yeah. idea. It's it's unfortunately just part of that rock and roll lifestyle, right? It's, yeah, live it's fast, everywhere. Live fast, die young. Leave a right. good-looking corpse. Right, right. Ryan's made a good point the other day we were talking about it, and he said the finding drummer of, of that caliper for the Foo Fighters to do is going to be hard for them. It's like they can get another drummer. It's going to be hard for them to place his personality. He was such a big part of that band. His personality talked through the music. He just wasn't a drummer. He was a big part of that band. He's the second most important guy in that band. Sure. Next yeah. to Dave Grohl. And I mean, talking about him too. I mean, Dave Grohl's got a, you know, this is the second time he's going through this, right? Yeah. With like, he's in another band, another person tragically died too young. People are saying to me, all right, do you think the Foo Fighters are going to break up? No, I don't think they will. No, I don't think so. You never know. I think the show must go on, man. Dave must be a strong dude, man, because two awful things that happened to band members to him. And they yeah. seem like they were like best friends, man. You just yes. see those guys interact together. They seem like they're best friends. Yeah. I mean, look how he acted when Lemmy died. Imagine how he's going to act now. All right, man. Well, I think that's it. That's We're sorry to be hopping on talking about a, a difficult subject. But, uh, you know, again, thanks to the Ish for having us on. You know, if you want to check out more of us, we're Prisoners of Rock and Roll. We're at prisonersofrockandroll.com. And we're anywhere you listen to your favorite shows. So hopefully, guys, we could uh, collaborate on something a little bit more fun sometime in the future. Keep on rocking. Peace out. Thanks a lot, guys. We appreciate them sending their thoughts about Taylor. Yep. Thank you to the Prisoners of Rock, who have a sweet logo, by the way, and colors that are very similar to ours. I just want to make a note of that because it's always (laughs) something I've appreciated about them. (laughs) A lot of their episodes are kind of deep dives into like the history of music in like a certain era or a certain style. And so they're kind of they're kind of that music like education and history kind of thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Round five. We've got two people left. Uh, Dan, you want to lead us off with your track five? Yeah, uh, I believe we had talked that it came off of Wasting Light, and it, it was it's honestly, this is probably one of my favorite Foo Fighter track, period. Oh, okay. There is just something about the song, the music video, everything. Like, I just love this song, and I'm going to go with White Lemo. Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know. I can't explain it. Like I just, the, everything on that song, I, I just absolutely love, but I, I truly love the, the drums in that. Like, it's just, it's heavy. It's in your face. And it's like right off the bat too. It's just, yeah, it's fast. It's, he's all over <laughs> yeah. the place. And it's, it's probably, like I said, one of my favorite. It's like, isn't this the music video that had Lemmy Kelmeister as the driver? That's exactly, yeah. that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Me too. Let me just welcome them into heaven, man. I tell yes. you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, so he's driving the limo right now for Taylor. <laughs> Up to the pearly gates. Yep. And this is another one of those tracks where Dave shrieks, and this one totally, yes. yeah. I think he shrieks the whole time, doesn't he? Most, yeah, he does. most of it, yeah. <laughs> that one took me off guard so hard the first time I heard it, but like in a great way. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, maybe not the chorus. I mean, kind of screeches in the chorus, but yeah. yeah. If you were to play that for people and be like, here's the, the first song off of Wasting Light, I don't know if people would understand that in the context of that album, that song is so friggin' perfect because <laughs> the album has a lot of slower, darker, melodic tunes. And then right in the middle, there's this bombastic, loud punk, just, uh, I don't even know what the word is. Yeah. It's just this friggin' two-minute assault. It's yeah. short, it's sweet, and it punches you in the face. And then you go into other melodic stuff. So, I mean, it's a perfect palate cleanser for the rest of the album. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. I remember hearing a long time ago, uh, Ben Burnley of Breaking Benjamin said that every band needed to have a punk song. And that was his introduction to Ladybug, which is theirs. And to me, this is the Foo Fighters punk song. It's not the perfect description of it, but it's just something that is, it's really more, maybe more metal, but it's just something that was so different and out of, uh, kind of, like you mentioned, like out of place, but in a good way. Yeah, um, I think it's their tribute to Motorhead, which yeah, would probably right, be why yeah. Lemmy's in the video. It's right. probably, yeah. that's what, I, that's the vibe I get from it. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think it also musically um, was a little bit of a foreshadowing of what's something we got to make note of studio 666 the foo fighters horror film that just came out in which they also released an album under uh the fictional band in that film called dream <laughs> widow which sounds a lot more like that like what white limo is than right. like anything else in the foo fighter stuff and some corrosion of conformity too they have like there's one song on there that sounds just like a, a corrosion of conformity song i was like damn this is this is interesting, right? They they go wild, and I do. I recommend none of their tracks made my list. And if if anybody, if many of them made any of you guys, I'll be surprised. But that's awesome. But there was an honorable mention. The lead track on the Dream Widow album is called Encino, and it is a minute and a half of pure fury. And it was an it was an honorable mention for me for Taylor because it's it's great. And so, if you want to hear Foo Fighters at their heaviest, check that out and creepiest. <laughs> you're right well and there's parts one of the things i absolutely loved about white limo is there's parts of that song where the guitar line is going the drums stop right it, it doesn't feel like a metal song or a punk song at that point it just feels like a you know like a, a guitar riff but like as soon as he comes in with the drums you're just like banging your head again you're, just like, <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely right because if he came in that song halftime it's a totally different vibe. Yeah. Yeah. That song is, is one of Foo Fighters um, most table throwing type of songs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes. It makes, it makes, does make me want to throw a table. It is also notably probably one of the most played songs on the itch radio show. by yeah. the Foo Fighters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is that's, probably the most played Foo Fighters song. That's a great bit of trivia, especially for a band that has that many massive hits. At least it is in the last like, <laughs> Eight years, sorry. Yeah, to specify. Quick sell for us while we're at it. You know, the itch does a radio show every Sunday night from six to nine, and we play deep cuts all the time. You will hear <laughs> at least as many album tracks uh, on air as you will, you know, the hits. And so that's the great thing of being on a college radio station is we have the freedom to do that. Despite that one guy that didn't like Foo Fighters years ago. <laughs> Everybody has a right to be wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we won't get into that, but <laughs> I'm just messing. <laughs> yeah. All right, Casey, you're up to close us out with track five. You're the last man standing here. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't expect to be the last man standing for some reason on this. I don't know why, but uh, I went ahead and <laughs> and closed with wasting light. Uh, 
you know, as we've talked about, is their their biggest album for a lot of people. And I went ahead and went with Bridges Burning to close it out. Nice, nice. Like I said, I'm a sucker for rounds, and they they do that in that song, and drumming's good, and the the lyrics are also kind of interesting when you think about loss and stuff too. So. Well, I played this. I played this on Saturday, and when I heard the opening line of "These are my famous last words," I mm. damn near had a lump in my throat. Like, oh right. my god! Yeah, so that's why I had to close it out with that. Man, that's you can't go wrong with that pick. That was an honorable mention for me. I thought about it. My, my I think my favorite thing about that track is that it sounds to me a lot like uh, a color in the shape song, mm-hmm. and the color in the shape is is my my jam for Foo Fighters albums. And so it just seems like it would have fit in really well there. And so cool on them for being able to recreate that like 15 years later. <laughs> yep. All right. I honestly thought you were going to say rope, to be honest, because it's, it's, oh. it's kind of the same reason why I love white limo. It's like, the, you know, there's that guitar line, but it's again, it's soon as the drums come in, you're just like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, right. It's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's a toss up between those three songs, to be honest with you. They're all great in their own right. I'll just go play the whole album, people. Seriously. Yes. Just go right, listen right. Away from life. Like, <laughs> Agreed. You know, I decided as we talked here, what I think I'm going to do with this, we mentioned that we're not going in pure playlist worst fashion. We're not going to have a vote to see who got it right here. But I think what I might do is just take all of our tracks and do something I haven't done in a year and a half or something, which is make a playlist, especially for this episode. Um, nice. We'll link it in the show notes. We'll put it out there and it'll it'll be a sequence track listing of of a bunch of Taylor Hawkins' most shining moments with the Foos. That would be cool. All right. And our final friend of the show podcast tribute is from our friend Russ from the Infectious Group podcast. Um, He has joined us before for an episode on the music of 1991. So you can go back and check that out if you like. But uh, we thought his would be a good way to sort of wrap this conversation up. Hey guys, it's Russ. I've always been really big on backing musicians and uh, no matter who it is, whenever I see a headliner, even from a young age like Elvis Presley all the way up to somebody like Kelly Clarkson now, I always end up really getting linked to their backing musicians and looking into them. And so for me, Taylor Hawkins was a person I came into when I first saw Alanis Morissette back uh, right before Jagged Little Pill broke. Uh, I saw her in a club and I remember elbowing my friend halfway through the show and just pointing at Taylor Hawkins and being like, that's my guy. Like, oh man, that's my guy. Just because uh, from what the rest of the world knows now and has for a long time, uh, the energy and showmanship and just his overall groove that he brought to drums just instantly connected me to him. And uh, anytime Alanis was on broadcast TV or award shows or whatever, I would always watch her, uh, whether or not I liked her current single, just because I wanted to watch Taylor Hawkins own the drums. And uh, I'm not even a big, huge Foo Fighters fan, although I think Wasting Light, their album is stunningly good and I think Taylor Hawkins is 90% of the reason why the album is so good or why I love it so much but it was so easy to follow his career because he went on to be in such a big huge band like the Foo Fighters so for me it was very very easy to follow him which I loved needless to say like everyone else and and you guys I'm sure uh, I was devastated to hear of his passing I don't have to tell you guys that people like us get attached to these musicians because they give us so many feelings and memories and it's hard to suddenly let go of something like that. So although Taylor uh, isn't here physically anymore, he's still very much my guy. Thanks a lot for giving me some time to talk about it, guys. Very good. I thought that was a, a great 
kind of way to start closing up there with with Russ. Yes. I think Taylor could be described as a lot of people's guy in terms of, of <laughs> resonating with resonating with a person in the music industry. So yeah. Do you guys have any other kind of closing thoughts as we Well it's just it's just so interesting that he's universally thought of that way with pretty much anyone he came in contact with. So good on him. He's going to be sorely missed. Uh, man, I hope there are tracks that have were recorded in the vault with ideas maybe, because I hope that the band is able to regroup from this because there's speculation all over the web right now. And I don't want to go down that, that road yeah. because this is about celebrating him. So who knows what path the band is going to decide to do or what Dave's going to decide to do. But I do hope that there's still some recordings out there that we could at least continue to celebrate his music uh, moving forward. And it's a big loss. And I'm thankful for the albums that I am able to go back and listen to and uh, revisit the amazing talent that is Taylor Hawkins. I want to note, I'm I'm thankful also here that if you think about it in, in their last roughly a year, Foo Fighters actually gave us three albums in just over a year here because you had Medicine to Midnight, um, which is which is a lot of fun. You had here closing out that Dream Widow album, if you want to hear their heavier side. And then in between, you had the DGs, which we can't go without mentioning, where they just decided to have a blast doing uh, half an album of Bee Gees covers. Amazing. And so you just you got a lot of Foo related music right here before you know whether it's the end of the band or at least the band as we knew them before so that's gonna you know if that is that then that's that's a that's a cool way to go out with such a diverse offering um in such a quick turnaround of time so we certainly appreciate that definitely well thank you very much for joining us brian we definitely appreciate having you on the show again and being able to talk and uh comfort everybody about what happened yeah, it's a it's a huge loss. Uh, I mean, I'm thankful for the friendship that I have with you three guys. It's been amazing. I know we only know each other through the podcast world, but I think we're talking music in some facet every day with each other. And <laughs> yeah, it's a it's huge about- outlet for me to be able to talk music and kind of get to know people via music. And Gomez and I are both thankful for the podcast friendship that we have with you guys at The Itch and with all the other podcasts like patio slave and and the other folks in the music kind of podcast circle we've kind of been creating over the last year and gomez and i are extremely thankful for your friendship and i appreciate you having me on tonight to celebrate one of my favorite drummers so thank you guys so much and uh if those people out there listening want to hear more playlistwarspodcast.com and you can kind of hear a little bit more about what we do over there Yep, including a very recent Foo Fighters episode. So there's more where this came from, if you liked it. Yeah, that episode was done prior to his death. So it was. it's definitely bittersweet now. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the sentiment we talked about tonight was also reflected there, only in a more not-looking-back mode because we were still looking to the future. And uh, it seemed like better times, I guess, because he was still there. Um, but right. You know, again, thank you guys so much for allowing me to be a part of this and uh, look forward to having you all back on Playlist Wars very soon. Yes, Yes. sir. Yes, thank you. And uh, also, if you want to have a little bit more foos, if you didn't get enough of it here, She Will Rock You did a tribute and also the hook 
Rocks also did a tribute. So this is part of the the Taylor trifecta of tributes. Yep, we'll link to those in the show notes as well. And we're going to finish the podcast with a performance that we got to see live. Um, It was basically the day after Mm -hmm. the world found out Taylor passed away. Um, And Blacktop Mojo was was set to perform. They already had some family issues of their own that they had to deal with that they posted right before the show, which I didn't know about. Right. Um, I, I didn't see the text until after the show, uh, but they still put on a great performance and they finished the set with a tribute to Taylor Hawkins. And it was just, it was gorgeous. So we'd like to play that for you right now. So this is blacktop mojo covering times like these. And so thank you very much for listening to the itch. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, enjoy the foo.
If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail and itchrocks.com, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S.